0: Well, good evening and welcome one and all. It's so great to see so many people, friends and family, um, the household of faith in the house of the Lord on the last day of 2016. David said in Psalm 30 verse 15, My times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. Say it with me. My times are in your hands. And um, we live life um, in this life. Being fully aware of the reality that we don't have time as a luxury to waste it. Amen. So he said, help me to number my days so that I might apply my heart to wisdom. In other words, help me not to be engaged in things that are transitory, that have no eternal weight and value. Very often we get involved in that which is, has no bearing on things eternal, but they are only for the year and the now. So we must give ourselves to that, I believe in 2017, to that which has bearing on eternity and the eternal realm, and not live life parochially where we only live for the year and the now, and we give priority to that which is not eternal. You can give a whole lifetime to that, to that activity, mindset, or behavior that will serve you no great benefit mm-hmm. when eternity weighs its value and puts it on, on heaven's scales to see what worth it is. My prayer, my heart for all of us is that we will reprioritize. Yeah. Generally, as we come to the end of the year, people uh, reassess the year and they make resolutions for the forthcoming year. And there's generally uh, anticipated that the following year would be better than the previous year. Uh, That is the general outlook of of life for most people. That next year is my year. Let me just say this to you. Next year will be whatever you make of it. It's in your hands, literally. God can deem great things and hold great things in store for you. In a specific time frame or period of time, within human within human existence, but all of it is de- all of its fulfilment is basically held within your hand. The year would be for you, whatever your levels of obedience demand it or dictate to it. So, as you are obedient, so will the year unfold its blessings for you. Deuteronomy 28 is very clear that blessings, God, blessings of the Lord come upon the obedient, while curses will attend the disobedient. You cannot escape that reality. It's inescapable. Human accountability and human responsibility has got to be uh, a priority within your year next year. You've got to be accountable humanly. Um, You've got to take full responsibility for how things pan out you can no more defer responsibility to others or even to God I'm saying the time of next year is in your hand it will be for you whatever your disposition is in terms of your mindset and or your behavior so much is dependent upon us within next year I want to release a word um, that is basically a continuation of a series on the grace of God that we have been exploring up until this point. For almost a few months now, we've been teaching on the grace of God. And of recent, a specific segment in the series has been favor, the favor of God as an outworking of the grace of God. So you can never ever claim to have grace unless in your life there are overt signs that you are blessed, as we've sung you're greatly blessed and you are highly favored the greek word uh, translated grace is Charis. the old testament is hen or chin and both words denote the essential composition of God's being as spirit God is spirit but spirit has quality spirit has substance spirit has constituent elements spirit has a composition Can't see spirit, but the fact that you cannot see it doesn't mean it's not there or it's not substantial. Everyone says spirit has substance. So if spirit has weight or substance, even though spirit is invisible, the invisibility of it doesn't make it less substantive. We have taught extensively this year that grace is the substance of spirit. So if God is spirit, the essence of his being is a God full of grace. So when we think of the grace of God, it's not something given outside of the person of God. When God disposes or bestows grace upon somebody, it's literally the giving out of His essence, of His person as a spirit being to someone. So when you say more grace, more grace, you are saying, God, that thing that comprises your being as spirit, I want more of it. If that can be imparted to me, then the possibilities that exist in your being as God now come to me. Both to make me into what I should be as your son, and also to empower my work in the earth. Grace does two things. Configures your sonship and empowers your functionality. When you receive it, it empowers your identity in God as his son. That's primary. But once your identity is configured, whenever God then demands of you, To do something in the earth on his behalf. You do it not by your own strength, but you do it by the, by the grace of God. Remember what Paul said? I am what I am by the, by the grace of God. I work, yet not I, but grace that's working with me. So grace makes me, I am what I am, and grace empowers my functionality. Everyone say, I am what I am by grace. Paul said that 1 Corinthians 15 10 I think I am what I am by grace and he said I work yet not I but but by but by grace so grace does two things grace makes me who I am and grace empowers what I should do in the earth okay in that order by the way never seek grace to empower functionality first until you have received grace to configure your identity right. Because from the vantage point of sonship, when you receive grace uh, and you mature in your sonship, you'll be able to embark upon any assignment that God has for you, being empowered by the same grace that made you. Grace makes you before grace mandates you. Right? How many people want to be used by God? Come on, let me see your hands. Listen carefully. I'm so glad uh, many of you came tonight. I have a very serious word for us. But it's a very, it's a very favorable word. but well, it's going to demand response. It's going to demand response. I want to be used by God. But I can never ever be used by God in terms of the exploration of destiny outside of an established identity. If I know who I am in Christ, I'll be able to do anything for Him on His behalf. Never ever seek to do something for God from outside of an established identity as his son if you know who you are in him what he calls you to do you know jesus was confirmed to be the son of god by the voice of the heavenly father when he was 30 years old at john's baptism in the river jordan when he came up out of the water the heavens opened and the father said this is my son before that he never did one miracle, never did one assignment, never preached one Bible study. And so Sanchu was firmly entrenched from an established identity. He could then for the next three and a half years do the works of God. You never do the works of God outside of first being established as to who God made you to be in Christ. Amen. So I want to encourage you. Uh, these these things I've labored this whole year, these principles, and we did them in fairly extensive fashion. And if you'd like the CDs, they're all available at the desk there. But we all understand, never do something for God until your identity in God has been firmly entrenched. Now, as an outworking of that, once grace, you receive the grace of God, and you grow in it. And there's a whole lot of uh, principles relative to growing in grace. But <clears throat> any claim... To have the grace of god will then have attendant with it certain outcomes one of which will be over demonstrations of your blessedness the fact that god has blessed you and favored you the greek word karis and the old testament hebrew word hen or chin both words denote the preference that god gives to the individual everyone say preference You can check any Greek or Hebrew scholar out. They all use the word preference. That God prefers you. That God gives you unfair advantage. It can be a host of people. But if you are full of grace, God will favor you. He will deal preferentially with you amidst a whole lot of people. And you know what the Bible says? Jesus grew in favor with God and and with men. And when God favors you, men on the earth will favor you too. People will start to like you and they don't even know why they like you. It will be an outworking of the fact that there's grace operative in your life. And the grace of God manifested as the favor of God in you will get doors open for you beyond where your natural skill and talent could do. It will be an unseen work of the favor of God manifested in and through your life. Now, I really believe, I don't think that we coming at this segment in our grace teachings and it coinc- coinciding with the end of the year and me delivering a New Year service message to you. Yeah. I really believe, as a conviction of my heart, that 2017 is going to be the year of unprecedented favor. Everyone say unprecedented favor. Unparalleled. In other words, never before in your life will what God is about to do will have a reference point of anything He's done before, prior to that. It's going to be a standard and a firstness of God doing major things that will be so um, uh, distinctive, so, so um, powerful in how His purposes for your life start to form themselves, that they're going to be significant, significant acts and doings of the Lord. I want to read a text. It's Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 61. Uh, this is prophetic of the Lord Jesus Christ, this text, because in Luke 4, our Lord actually quoted this verse so the prophet Isaiah is prophesying of a reality that will be true of the Lord Jesus and in Isaiah 61 verse 1 the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news To the afflicted, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, a day of vengeance for our God, of our God, to comfort all those who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. The mantle of praise instead of the garments of heaviness. Okay, They will rebuild the ancient ruins and they will raise up the former devastations and they will repair the ruined cities, the desolation of, of many generations. For now, all I want to focus on is verse 2. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Everyone say the favorable year of the Lord some of your bibles say the acceptable year of the lord the word acceptable in the new king james and year favorable in the nasb it's it's the hebrew word razon and razon means this pleasure delight desire will favor or acceptance now The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. One of the outworkings of the Spirit's anointing upon Jesus, this verse is prophetic of Jesus, he says, I am come to proclaim a favorable year. Now the word year here in the Hebrew is used variously in the Bible. But a lot of the times it's used to denote a specific designated time period. Specific designated time period. Now, generally, I don't teach like this, but I felt a prophetic impulse while I was preparing that I really believe that the proclamation of the favorable year of the Lord applies very, very much so to 2017. Very, very much so. 2017 is the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther's Reformation. In the year 1517, on the 31st of October 1517, that reformer, that monk, uh, stood up against the Catholic Church and and he enlisted his 95 Theses. He nailed it to the door. And uh, he said, the church needs reformation. The church needs to come back to biblical order, right? Now, we're living in the year, next year, a a few minutes time, will be 2017. And we're at the start of the process of that year. It is the conviction of major apostles and prophets globally that every 500 years god does something significant in the earth god does something very powerful and very significant in the year five is also the number of grace 500 amplified grace it's an amplification of grace so i don't generally even when i teach new year's night messages Draw reference to numbers and and prophetic takes on people. I will just minister the word of the Lord as I feel led. But for the first time this year, I felt in my heart that these things are true. That next year promises to be a year uh, in which there will be strategic developments of the doings of God in the earth. It's not going to be an ordinary year. I'm here to declare to you as God's son as God's servant tonight next year will not be ordinary it's going to be the year from which subsequent years will be dated it's going to be we'll look back um, in in 2020 2022 and we're going to look back and say it was that year it was in 2017 where these things seeds of these processes are now maturing it's going to be so strategic and in my heart I, I said to the Lord I I want to be very careful next year, extremely careful with each day of each year. I'm going to be extremely careful with my mindset, with the words of my mouth, with my priorities, with my alliances, my loyalties, my levels of honor to spiritual fathering, my love and rescue of brothers, my love for the church, my love for the lost soul to win the lost. I want to be very calculated. Because I know next year is going to be a powerful year. Come on, tell your neighbor, next year will be strategic for you. And let me just say this. I applaud you for coming tonight on God's behalf. Because you could have been in any other place. But you've chosen to locate yourself in God's presence. And you've come in here not knowing what's going to be preached. And I say to you. For you it'll be highly favorable next year i'm not saying that as a well wish i'm I'm saying it out of raw conviction god's gonna god has seen some of you have been so faithful and diligent and you haven't seen the commensurate blessing of the degree of your faithfulness yet but i believe next year is going to be the start of the unfolding of god's promises come on it's a favorable year right I proclaim to you the favorable year. You know where, where it says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to do several things, one of which is to proclaim this the favorable year of the Lord. That word proclaim in the Hebrew is quara. Q-A-R-A. Quara. Qara. Everyone say quara. And it's not just to inform you that something's going to happen. The word quara means this. To call to declare to summon I like that meaning. you know you can't ignore summons right those of you who had some of these you know what I'm talking about right you don't ignore summonses they are they are authorized legal calls for you for example to appear in court right and God has in essence summoned the favorability upon the year right there's an authoritative summoning it also means to be called, to be invoked, and to be named. So I am not just sort of well-wishing you that it's going to be well with you. There's a raw conviction in my heart that the Lord God has summoned the year to favorability. In essence, that it will be, it'll work itself out favorably for you. Now I'll unpack this as we go along. Please just stay with me. In Luke 4, the Lord Jesus after john baptized him in the river jordan and the father said the heavens opened, the holy spirit descended upon him as a dove in bodily form and the father said this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased." the bible says he was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the the devil and each of the three temptations was leveled at sonship because each temptation starts if you are the son Turn the stones to bread. If you are the sons, throw yourself down. So the attack is on identity. The devil was trying to dent the identity of Jesus, but Jesus passed every temptation with an answer. He said, "It is written." So his strength, uh, in terms of identity, was unearthed from his his knowledge of God's word, was his consistent response to to, to satanic attack in terms of identity. I want to encourage you next year if you've never loved god's word now is the time to reprioritize If you've never had a love for the bible and you've never devoted yourself to intense study of the word next year is going to be a year just for that because if if the devil can trip you up in terms of attacking who you are if you're not strong in the Word, you'll never know who you are i really believe i don't have time to prove this but i really believe the identity of Christ was solidly entrenched by what he read of himself in the book. In the Torah. The first five books of the of the Bible. Because it said of him in the Psalms even. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O God. You're going to find yourself in the scriptures. He found himself in the Bible. God wrote about you in the book. The book is all for you. Come on, tell someone, love the Bible. Love the, Bible. Love the Scriptures. No one can, can falter from an established identity uh, that you get from when you study the Word of God and things uh, witness with you concerning who God made you to be in Him. That's why the Bible is called a mirror. What do you see when you look into a mirror? You see a reflection of your? Yourself. I believe you see yourself as God made you to be in Christ, in and through His Word. Amen? Uh, I'm going to devote myself more to the Word of the Lord. Okay? So he passes those tests. Then the Bible says, passing the test, he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. Luke 4.1, Luke 4.14, after passing the temptation, he comes out in the power of the Spirit. And he goes into the synagogue. It just so happened that it was his turn to read the scriptures. They also had public reading of the scriptures there, right? So he took the scroll of Isaiah, an attendant handed it to him. So he, he opened the scroll and he, it, it fell on the passage that we, we just read. Now it's recorded in Luke 4, let me read it to you. Luke 4 from verse 17. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and he found the place where it was written. So he's reading what Isaiah wrote. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release um, to the captives, the recovery of sight, to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. And to do what? And to proclaim the favorable. What is he saying? He's saying this prophecy is now going to be fulfilled in me Amen. i am here to declare to everyone listening in, in that synagogue he's saying this is the year of the favor of god upon you all listening and you know what at the bottom uh, after he closed the the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and you know what they marveled at i think verse 22 they were all speaking well of him and wondering at what Everyone say gracious words. Gracious words is also translated words of grace. So what did he give them? Grace. Words of grace as he read that. And that's why I'm so convinced an outcome of grace dispensed would be living in a year. Now year is not a calendar year as we know it, right? With 365 days. I want to say our definition of year now is my... My perpetual state of existence. Amen, amen, amen. Right? Remember when Joshua said to, to Joshua 3, verse 5, before they attacked Jericho, what did Joshua insist that the nation do? After, okay, before that, they were all circumcised. But just before, he was praying to the Lord, and the Lord said to him, Up, Joshua! Sanctify the people, for tomorrow I will do great things. Right? Now their tomorrow was 24 hours. Literally the next day, we're gonna go and attack Jericho, the walls, great victory. But that word, if you if you if you examine it in the Hebrew, it literally means after preparation has been done, after set a set set of circumstances have been fulfilled, these things will happen. So your tomorrow could be anytime you want it to be. So long as you're sufficiently prepared for that reality. Remember on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. It came about on the day of Pentecost. It says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Remember? And the Holy Spirit came and first filled the house where they were sitting, and then he filled each, each one. Now, the Bible says, And suddenly they heard the sound. No, suddenly happens in a vacuum the suddenlies of god pentecost broke upon the earth after a number of things were were set in place you want your suddenly moment but you've done zilch doesn't work you want to venture into breakthroughs but you're living recklessly it's not going to work right tell you never won't work i want to encourage you i want to encourage you start to position yourself in life such that you're being diligent consistently the time for for vacillation is over We we you know get some yo-yo Christians we up down up down now God is calling for sameness con consistency I love what Dr Segi said be faithful to every meeting because you never know when your breakthrough will come your breakthrough could be one meeting away but be consistent be consistent so I want to encourage you uh Jesus proclaimed the favorable year of the Lord upon the hearers in that synagogue and they marveled at grace packaged in words that came to them we've labored in the area of grace a lot and I'm convinced more than ever before the Lord said to me you've released the words of grace now the context is prepared for the release of a proclamation of the favor of the Lord. Now, the word proclaimed that Jesus used to proclaim favor is the word keriso. The Old Testament Hebrew in Isaiah was quarah. But when he uses it says, I'm here to proclaim favor. Uh, Keruso is derived from another Greek word, kerux, which is the preacher or to, to preach. Now, not everybody that stands behind a pulpit is a preacher. You can get a sermonizer, but not a preacher. A kerux, the Greek implies, a speaker on behalf of God. One who speaks the mind of God on behalf of God to others. He's a herald. That speaks divine messages from the heart of God to the, to the hearers. So when Jesus used this word, he's saying, I'm here to declare to you the goodwill of my Father upon you. I'm here to keruso, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, listen to what a very well-known Greek scholar said about this word. Thea, if you want his name. Thea said this about what this word that Jesus used. He said... When it's used, this particular word, it's not just an announcement or to make public some reality. He said the word is always, it's used with a suggestion of formality, gravity, and authority. Formality, gravity, and authority, which must be listened to and obeyed. Which must be listened to so there's attention. Everyone say attention. So I want, you, I want you to be, in other words, aware of, as you, when we dismiss you in a few minutes' time and you go home, I want you to be thoroughly aware of the word, you must say this to your mind, the word I heard tonight was not just a public announcement. It was an authoritative declaration from God's heart to my life. It's a summons, like I said. It's got legal implications. There's an authoritative weight to it. That my my wife, my husband, the life of my kids, my family is going to live, not in 2017. We're thinking even beyond that. My spatial sphere of existence, perpetually even for the future, is going to be one characterized by the favor of God, the pleasure of the Lord. He likes me. That might be a revelation for some of you. God likes you. He doesn't just love you. He likes you. God likes me. When we use the word favorite, it means the person has preferential treatment among others. Let me just say, if you are God's son, he will deal preferentially with you in the earth. He definitely will. He will deal preferentially with you in the earth now the next um so i want you to first thing before i go on i want you to establish this fact in you when you leave here let the words of the song we sang echo in your mind i'm not just blessed i'm greatly blessed right genesis 15. god said this to abraham don't say in your mind i am favored you say i'm i'm highly favored right then you got to think like this i am the recipient of grace if the grace that is the compositional makeup of everything as God, as a spirit being, is in me, that divine uh, essence of God in me before men is going to cause them to respond favorably to me. You see, wh- when God gives you preference, He uses people. Yes. Right? So the, the scripture in Luke 6 says, uh, Give and it will be given back to you. How? Press down, good measure, shall who? Shall men give into your bosom. God doesn't give from the, just pour from the sky. God uses people to, to bless you. Right? So I want to encourage you. That's why Jesus grew in favor with God and He grew in favor with, with men. Now, this is not for self-indulgence. I'll make this point now, but I want to demonstrate this in a few weeks' time from the Scriptures. When you walk in favor, the most favored people, let me just say this biblically, are those who have a priority to do God's will in the earth. When you recruit favor unto yourself, it's not for you just to to be self-indulgent and uh, for things to to bless you. Yes, you will experience all of that. But your main priority is, let every resource in the earth, that God desires to bring to me let that come to me because my priority is to do his will it's not so much that I can accumulate and um, uh, become proud for by my blessed state in God for what benefit is that unless I use all of that to propel the purposes of God in the to propel the purposes of God in the earth that is my that's my main priority now Psalm 102 is the most fascinating psalm to me. And in verse 13 of Psalm 102, it says this. Now this is another prophetic verse that I, I want everyone to even memorize if you want. And, me- and, and log this in your mind. Psalm 102 verse 13. You will arise and you will have compassion on Zion for the time to be? gracious to her the appointed time has come the time to be gracious to her the appointed time has come can we get it in the new king james or the king james is fine you will arise and you will have mercy on zion who is zion by the way the church zion in scripture is a representation of the of the church so god says this, this is a prophecy you will arise and have mercy on zion for the time to Favour her, yes, the set time has come. Next verse, set time has come. Verse 14, your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favour to her dust. This is the most powerful verse right here. right? And I hope we have the time to get into it. We'll see how we go. But let me just go back to verse 13. You see, this is, verse 14 is the prerequisite. To experience verse 13. if you take pleasure in the stones of zion if you the servants of the lord uh favor the her dust then verse vers, the, the latter part kicks in look at verse 13 again quickly look at verse 13. you will arise and you will have favor on zion for the time to favor her yes it's like double emphasis yes everyone say yes, yes. right the time to favor yes The set time has has come. I want us to all read this in chorus. Let's read it together in chorus, right? In concert together. But where it says Zion, mention your name. Hallelujah. Can we do that quickly? Come on, as a prophetic statement. You will arise and have mercy on Randolph for the time to favor him. Yes, the set time has come. Come on, say it again. Mention your name you will arise and have mercy on randolph for the time to favor him yes the set time has come now the word time there's two references to time There's time and there's set time notice the time to favor yes the set time has come the word time here is the hebrew word eth eth and it denotes the gentle. Um, time in the general sense, right? The general usage for time. it has certain unique nuances which we cannot get into now because of, because of time, right? But it's time in the general, general sense. But set time is what I'm interested in. The Hebrew word for set time is moed. Time is eth, set time is moed. Two different concepts of time. The set time, it literally means an appointed time or place, right? An appointed time or, or place. In, there are two Greek, just quickly, there are two Greek concepts for time, indicated by two Greek words. The one is Chronos, and the other is Kairos. Chronos is easy. This is, on my hand here, is a chronometer. It's a watch. We call it a watch, but the true name, scientific name is a chronometer okay it it tracks chronology the passage of time in seconds minutes hours well hours right beyond this we go to the calendar for months for weeks days weeks months and then for years so time chronos denotes the passage of chronology that's what we exist in don't we exist in time does god exist in time god is not bound by chronos exists in timelessness in eternity but whenever for example some of the greek uh, new testament writers they use a word like time like times of refreshing they're not using chronos they're using kairos kairos is defined as an opportune time denoted by certain definitive characteristics or predetermined events that god has decided before time began that these things would happen in time so if you want to to visualize it kairos if this this mic is kronos in my hand is kairos kairos from god's perspective is time superimposed into kronos because in that space he wants certain predetermined outcomes to happen in kronos amongst humans so Humans in Kronos will look at it and say, this is not ordinary. This is not the simple passage of time. This is God's superimposition of His time clock into my human affairs. And it's not just an invasion of God's perspective into my world. Attendant with that is this. Certain preordained events have got to occur within that time space. Right? Within that space of, of time. Now that's the idea of moed. Everyone saying a pointed time, right? A specific time in which certain events must take place. Now, there are two um, passages in the Bible that I want to reference, where this word moed is used as a point to challenge us all of how to position ourselves from next year onwards. Amen. The one is Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 7. Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 7 says the following. It's the most amazing text, right? It says, even the stork in the heavens knows her. Now, what's a stork? It's a migratory bird, right? It leaves whenever winter hits a particular place. It leaves before the winter breaks and goes on long migrations to more comfortable climatic conditions so as to survive and to perpetuate the species right now you know when the when a scripture starts even the stalk (laughs) you know something some some not so nice comparison is coming afterwards right so it says even the stalk knows what her mohead her appointed times then it says And the turtle dove, other migratory birds, the turtle dove, the swift, and the swallow observe what? The times of their coming. But my people don't know the judgment of the Lord. Look at it in the NASB quickly. Look at it in the NASB. Even the stork in the heavens, in the sky, knows the seasons. Everyone say seasons. Appointed times, imposition of Kairos into Kronos. And the turtle dove and the swift. And the thrush observe the time of their what the time of their migration but my people do not know the ordinance of the lord now does someone advertise a conference for all the migratory birds to attend this conference stalks turtle dove, come because i want to educate you that hey guys it's time to fly to start does it happen how does how does a stork know It's it's instinctual. It's built in to its very construct as a migratory bird, right? It's just wired to function that way. Now, God says something very powerfully. God is saying, the storks even know when it's time to move. But my people, they are stuck because they don't know the ordinance of the... Next year is going to be a year of great migration. That's what I want to say to you. You've got to move away. You see, a mohead for me is an appointed time of movement. Right? And um, I want to refer you to a series that we've done here. It's called the Passover Principles. For me, in my mind, it's one of the best series of teachings we've done in in the history of this church. Okay, it's on three series there. There's about, about... I think almost 20 sessions on the topic on Passover. But it deals with this issue on the need to migrate. Israel was in bondage for 430 years in in Egypt. Not so. They left 430 years of bondage in one night. One night was going to change what was true historically for 430 years. In other words, they, they moved. Everyone say moved. They moved out. And the Lord's been saying to me, I want to encourage you all. It's time to migrate from inaccuracy to accuracy. It's time to migrate from your lethargy to discipline. From laziness to hard work. Right? Everyone say migrate. Right? Next year is going to be a year of shift. And I want to encourage you, develop the instinctual nature of this you will know what to move away from and where to move to it will be as instinctual to you as it is instinctual for stalks to move right trust the inner voice within you when the holy spirit teaches you as to what to leave and where to go i'm not talking physically yes it might be physical for many of you but it could be a behavioral pattern it could be a mindset That's why the Bible says, leave the things which are behind. Forgetting the things which are behind. I press toward the mark of the prize for the high calling which is in Christ Jesus. You can never ever go forward without leaving certain things. So we'll leave a whole lot of certain things. There's one particular session in there that I want to reference you to. It's where we deal with the second Passover in the New Testament in John 5. Where Jesus attended that Passover. And we teach how how that man... Uh, was healed shifted and migrated away from several expressions of inaccuracy if you've been disobedient and ignoring the will of the lord for your life up to this point it's time to shift become instinctual i said to the lord i want to become instinctually obedient i want to become reflexively compliant i don't want to have one word another reminder then a warning before i obey the first time i hear it i want to say yes as instinctual as stalks my great god i've heard you i don't need to hear you again i've heard you once now here's my response right you got no time to waste time god lives in timelessness not you he got time on his hands not you right so help me to number my days so that i'm applying my heart to wisdom and i said to the lord let the next 50 years of my life count more than the prior 50 i don't want want to i want to i want to i want to leave a legacy i want to leave value in the earth for those that i have i have within my sphere that have the opportunity of impacting yeah may i submit to you that the lord says to each of you also that your latter could be far greater than the former, not the, the verse to Job. That your, your 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 degree of impact could be far more than it's ever have been up to this point. And don't think that you've wasted time, you've made a mess of things, that you've lost out on time, valuable time. Don't think like that. You know what the Bible says? God is able to restore the years that the locust and the canker worm have eaten. Don't think that I've messed things up up to this point. What, what, even if I have two, three years left, what can I offer? I'm telling you, all Jesus needed was three and a half years. All he needed was three and a half years of public ministry. And he fulfilled his Father's will. And when he hung on that cross, he said, it is, in other words, my assignment on the earth is done. I can, I can depart in peace. Okay. And I really want to impress upon us all. Lead life to influence people. Lead life to influence people. I, I paid for, let me tell my wife this. She sent me to spa today for last minute things, right? And uh, there was a gentleman in front of me paying for his goods. This is the second time I've done this this month. I did it early in December, and I'm in the habit of doing this. I love paying for people's groceries. So don't, don't stand behind me if I'm in a queue. <laughs> Otherwise, you miss out, right? <laughs> so there was this aged um, uh, gentleman of Zulu descent. I-, I could see by the basket, it's, you know, he's buying the, the cheapest, the most essential things. And I, had this tro- I felt like so convicted. I had this trolley full of stuff. There's this man in front of me. And the Lord spoke to me instantly. He said, pay for the goods. So I resolved to do that. So as he was busy taking his last few items, I just tapped him on the back and said, uh, Hi, Papa. Hi, Dad. Can I pay for your stuff? He was like bewildered. like. So even though the, the said, no, you want to pay for your things. So I, so I said, okay. I said, go. It's fine. I said, oh, by the way, so I took out several of my goods and I gave it to him. He said, go pay. And he just he stood there. I didn't know what to say i think thank you was even hard for you <laughs> you know I said it's fine it's fine kill you. so and i when i was driving away i said what is life if we don't impact people what is life if we don't impact people what what's the point of living if all we've done we weren't a blessing to someone now uh, may i challenge you to do a random act of kindness At least once a month the whole of next year so there's 12 acts of random kindness you're gonna do yes who's up for the challenge to to total strangers maybe yes to the household of faith but also to to total strangers without desire to be reciprocated with any benefit from what you do don't only bless those because you know there's something in it for me on the side right Just, just do it and walk away right I'm only publicizing it here to make the point. Otherwise, I would not have mentioned this. Yeah, yeah. Do it quietly and don't, let, don't inform anyone if you need to. Just, just between you and the Lord. I'm purely mentioning it here to activate you. Right, to activate you. But beyond helping people practically, I want to encourage you. Many of us need to migrate away from selfishness, self-centeredness. Only me, myself, and I, and nobody else. Only me, myself, and my family, nobody else. And you need to focus on the need in the other. Right? I've I've labored this point. That's why the time to favor Zion has come. Right? And it says, the next verse, your servants favor her stones. You are living stones. Your servants favor the dust they are. Let me close with this point because I just feel this is what the Lord wants us to, to, to focus on as we wind up. Look at that latter part of Psalm 102 verse, let's read verse 13 and 14. Maybe this is imperative for, for some of you here. So everyone say instinctual. Respond to the instinct, the leading of the Holy Ghost in you as you engage life next year. All right? Let it be reflexive, almost automatic. No one educates a stork that it's time to, he just knows that if i am to survive and perpetuate the species i need th- i need to live in the principle of movement the principle of migration you will arise and have compassion on zion for it's time to be gracious to her your appointed time has has come surely your servants find pleasure in her stones so who are the servants of zion you are servants in zion and this psalm says wow god in the set time of favor the year of favor in that season your servants your sons they find pleasure in the stones of Zion so what the stones of Zion you are first Peter 2 4 and 5 says and he's coming he's coming to a living stone uh, which has been rejected by men but He's choice and precious in the sight of God. You also are living stones built up as a spiritual house, right? So you are living stones that make up the spiritual house of God. You know the church is not brick and mortar, right? This, this building is not the church. Who is the church? You are living stones that come to a building. The building simply facilitates the meeting of the church. You don't, you don't go to church. You are the church. It comes to a building to celebrate family to hear the word of the Lord, right? So we are living stones. So who is privy? Who is who is eligible to access and 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 live in this favor? It's any stone, you, any living stone that favors the that favors the stones. Any servant that favors the stones of of Zion. Now, I want to encourage you. So, if you take pleasure in each other, if you prioritize the need in each other, then God says, for you, it's an appointed time of favor. Now, I've labored this point extensively recently at church. Remember, Joseph interpreted the dreams of the baker and the butler while his own dreams remain uninterpreted, unfulfilled. So, he helped somebody else fulfill destiny. While in that same area, his destiny lay unfulfilled. The priority in the other took precedence over him. Right? right? Remember in Genesis 20, Abraham prayed to God to break the barrenness of Abimelech's wife and all her maidservants? But who's barren in his house? His own wife is barren, and he has a promise that she'll bear a son. She is barren. He prays for the barrenness in another man's wife and the very next verse is and the lord looked upon the barrenness of sarah and she poor son when you focus on and you take pleasure in the stones of zion you position your you see we all want to be blessed but let me educate you it is more blessed to give than to receive you want to be on the receiving end of blessing and that's, that's your entire worldview. you don't know the principle of blessing so the the favor of god comes to servants that take pleasure in the stones of Zion. When did you focus on another? Outside of yourself. You know what the next next part of the verse is? Psalm 102 verse 14. The next part of the verse is, just to to wrap it up. Your servants find pleasure in the stones and pity the, pity the, the dust thereof. The word pity is to be gracious or to show kindness and mercy. Now, dust is, has multiple symbolic indications in the Bible. Like dust could be carnality. Remember what, what uh, God said to the serpent? You will crawl on your belly and you will eat what? Dust. What was man made of? The dust. So if there's any fleshly tendency in you... It's serpent's food. The enemy feeds off carnality. So if you provide him carnality, you're providing him food, right? Don't be a restaurant for Satan. Don't let him come and feed at your house. Don't provide him dust or carnality where he can come and be entertained. That's one application of dust. But there's another application of dust. Dust is also referenced to sonship. Genesis 13, 16. God said this to Abraham. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So, your descendants or your seed. So, is it true then, if we're using Scripture to interpret Scripture, can we therefore conclude based upon this verse, that dust is also a reference to sons or sonship. Yes? To seeds. Do you know that you're all Abraham's seed in Christ? Yes. Right? All Abraham's seed in Christ. So, the time to favor Zion has come. Yes, the said time has come to favor her. Your servants take pleasure in her stones. And your servants shall pity or extend, extend acts of grace to the dust of Zion. Now, do you know, that's Genesis 13 we read, it. Eh? God it to Abraham. Your sons will be like dust. Can't number them. Sand on the sea. Like dust. But you know what, later in the book of Genesis, after I think he sacrificed Isaac, or intended to sacrifice Isaac, also you'll find this in Genesis 15, in Genesis 14 he rescues Lot, remember, from the the alliance of four major Persian empires, so he he shows care for a brother, he rescues a brother, what's he doing, he's taking pleasure in a stone, especially a stone like Lot. A lot disrespected him, couldn't see what he represented. Yet Abraham rescues, takes pleasure. And God says, God said to him, I am your shield. And then we came here from the war and he paid the tithe to Melchizedek, that's Genesis 14. Genesis 15 says, After these things, the Lord said to Abraham, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. There was a promise made to him that his descendants now will not only be like dust, but they will be like the stars of the sky, right? You see, both stars and dust allude to sonship, right? What what is Esther's name? What does Esther mean? Star, or she that is hidden, but Esther also means star, right? Joseph's dreams, he dreamt of sun, moon, and stars bowing to him. Sun, his father, moon, his mother, Eleven stars, his brothers. So stars represent sonship and or brotherhood. Now, I want to challenge you. Sometimes we can't see the star in the dust. All you're seeing in the other is the dust thereof, but you cannot see the star quality in the sun that in your mind is dust or dirt. All you can see as the primary thing in front of you is their negativity. How they mess up. How they've flawed, The freckles and the frikies. And the bad qualities about the person. If you view of the other, the other is still a sun, But if you still denote dust and you cannot see the brilliance of the light of God's. That he's made them to be as shining stars in the world. You will never experience the favor I'm talking about. This is very important to me. You must listen. Because you can go out of here with a false notion. I can do what I want. Treat people how I want. And still be in the favorable year of the Lord. Not going to work. This favor comes to those who find pleasure in the dust of Zion. Right? They, they pity the stones they if you're that kind of person, you know, I've determined for next year, I'm going to go out of my way to reach out to others. Right? I've shared this with you in multiple forms the whole of this year. The key for your breakthrough lies in something relational. How you behave, how you treat others, how you interact to, to others. If you favor the dust thereof so I want to encourage you treat everybody kindly be less judgmental and show more mercy if the dust in the person is your predominant mindset and view that you have of the other and you cannot see the light that God made them to be others you 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 beholding the moat what does it say you're beholding the speck in your brother's eye while in your eye there's a a, mote, a light pole Imagine the Greek word it means large pole, right? Imagine a light pole in your eye. Picture, right? you a light pole. One of these poles here on the street. Take it out, put it in your eye, a light pole in your eye, right? And Liam's got a speck of dust. I got a light pole. But I'm trying to find the and to focus and amplify the small piece of dust in his eye. The Bible says, first remove the moat out of your eye, then you'll be able to help your your brother remove his speck. Be less judgmental of your brother when in the same respect, there's obvious overt things that you need to work on in, in your life. Right? It's going to be a year of great favor. Everyone say great favor. But it's going to come to those, that servants that take pleasure in the stones. It's going to come to those that favor the dust thereof. Some of us are dusty need to be dusted we all need work <laughs> including me yeah we all need work Amen. right Amen. and if all i'm saying if you can position yourself to fast track the development in the other god looks upon you and says, wow this is a candidate for great favor right great favor when did the prosperity of job uh when did god restore that John, job 42 the Bible says, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job after he prayed for his friends. When he was friend-focused, God restored his fortunes. Right? So tell your neighbors, not all about you. <laughs> yeah? Not all about you. Favor the dust thereof. Okay, one last verse and then we're out of here, right? In reference to migration, Exodus 12 Verse one and two, Exodus twelve, verse one and two. I shared extensively on this verse in the Passover series. I want to make one or two points here because it bears reference to, to some of the things we've been we've been talking about. Okay. Now the Lord, this was the Lord said to Aaron and Moses, uh, Moses and Aaron in the in the land of Egypt. This month shall be the beginning of months for you for it is to be the first month of the year for you it's a very important verse you see in a moment we're all going to wish each other happy new year in our minds it's the first month january of the new year 2017 when god said this to israel they were at the end of 430 years of egyptian bondage and god was about to lead them under moses's leadership to lead them out the bible says with a mighty hand everyone say mighty hand (laughs) he's going to lead them out with a mighty hand you know what god god invaded the calendar year they were functioning by an egyptian calendar program they could have been in the middle it could have been in the june of their of their year and god said you are out of here you're going to celebrate the passover meal in families eat unleavened bread eat the entirety of the lamb and you are out of here you're out of here God says as you leave God said to him this month is going to be the start of your new year this will be the beginning of months for for you so a new year starts not necessarily at the end of the calendar year biblically scripturally naturally it does But we are functioning by heaven's time clock and not by Babylon's time clock. If you are all spiritual, and if you only get spiritual and make uh, the determination to make resolutions on the 31st of December at the end of every year, you're functioning by a different reality. That's not God's will. There's a time clock that God, God will superimpose a new year on your life anytime He wants to. In other words, whenever you sense the need to migrate... And to leave bondage, to leave slavery and go into sonship. What did God say to Moses? Let Israel go. Let my son go. My firstborn son. God called a whole nation. God, Moses said to Pharaoh, it's not just people you are releasing. You're releasing sonship. So whenever come, somebody comes out of slavery into a greater sonship reality, it's migration. Happy New Year. Yeah? I'm wishing you now I'm waiting for 12 o'clock. Happy New Year. Amen. The New Year starts. Yes. Whenever you reposition yourself, you internalize the need to move and you obey the Lord. Right? right? Who wants to be prophetic and wish even before 12 o'clock and say, Hey, I'm not waiting for the, for the natural calendar to signal the start of a new phase for me. I'm sending the Lord, speak to me, and I'm about to move into a greater reality of greater accuracy. The year of the the favor of the Lord. You know, if you don't move, you die, right? Birds even know this. Birds know, if I don't move, it's death for me. Migration is essential. And I want to encourage you all. God's intention towards all of you is kind. Kind. The Lord is kindly disposed to every single one of you. God God wants to bless you. You are indeed blessed and and highly favored of the Lord. Your moed, your set time, I believe. I cannot speak for the church generally. I, I know this word can apply globally. But I'm speaking for the people in this house and for the people that are attending this meeting tonight. I'm saying to you as God's servant, God has proclaimed a year of favor for you. It's a year of favor, but it has prerequisites. God said you need to take pleasure in the stones, and you need to favor the dust thereof. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads in prayer with me. I'll continue the essence of this message next week, Sunday, but I think the Lord has shared sufficiently enough with us for us to to have heard him personally and corporately you cannot ignore the summons of the lord god has summoned you. you cannot fob it off push it at the back of you i'm suggesting to all of us the pleasure the kind intent and delight of god is about to 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 be a portion significantly i wish i had time to share in genesis 17. The word Moed occurs there. And I had no idea, I wasn't even looking for 17, the number 17. I stumbled upon in cross-referencing, this was found in Genesis 17 concerning Abraham. But I'll share more on that maybe next week. But God's intention is to bless you. Look at me for one moment. Make the point. In Genesis 17, God came to Abraham. God said this to him. This time, next year, you will have a son. This time, next year, Moed. Set time in other words this is Genesis 17 right in Genesis 12 and Genesis 13 he has promises of being father God saying to him what was promised is now going to be fulfilled you're coming out of prophetic promise to prophetic fulfillment what was promised you are about to walk in but you know what God said to Abraham listen carefully God said to him I cannot call you Abram anymore now your name will be changed now you will be called Abraham. Abraham means High Father or Exalted Father. But Abraham means what? Father of nations or father of a multitude. In other words, in the Hebrew, to change a name from Abram to Abraham in the Hebrew alphabets, it's simply the insertion of the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the number five is what? Number five is grace. So when God changed the name from Abraham to Abraham, It was literally an insertion of a download of grace into the man that changed the fathering sphere from just father of families now to father of nations and father of multitudes. But who's going to bear the child? Does he fall pregnant? Who falls pregnant? But you know what God said? God said, hey, before you get this right, Abraham, your wife, where is she? And God said, her name will no more be Sarai. S A S A R A I. Sarai. Her name is now going to be called Sarah. Your name, Abraham to Abraham, your wife, Sarai to Sarah. You know what Sarai means? Quarrelsome and contentious. You know what Sarah means? A noble woman, a princess, a chieftainess, a woman of nobility. You see, God is saying, the womb that's going to bear the fulfillment of this promise cannot be characterized by quarrelsomeness, contention, strife, relationally. I need to change the character of the womb that's going to bear these sons. Now, repeat after me, an end to quarrelsomeness. An end to contention. Leave that behind this year. Next year, leave the strife. Leave the fighting. Leave the bitterness. Leave the anger. Those things will not be womb enough to bear forth and bring to pass your prophetic destiny. Those things will kill purpose. God said to Abraham, it's not just you I'm worried about. It's your wife. I need to change the womb from a state of being characterized by strife to one of nobility. And I want to encourage you. Carry yourself nobly as a prince and a princess in God. Don't focus on the dust of Zion more than the star quality in them. Don't let one eclipse the other. In every dust, there's a star that shines. Look for the good in others and accentuate it. And help them work through their issues. (laughs) Position yourself in life to bring others into greater prosperity and destiny in God amen come on let's pray lift your hands I'm going to declare the favor of the Lord upon you I declare also there will be no abortion of destiny here the strife the quarrelsome nature the contention the arguments must all stop let your house be contention free no more fighting no more arguments about nonsensical issues no more highlighting the negativity in the other when god says but you must favor the dust and see what i've made them to be they're going to shine one day even though they are the dust of the earth today right god said to abraham i take your eye on on the the image of your sons as dust they will now shine as stars that cannot be numbered come on lift your hands the lord bless you i'm pronouncing a blessing on you the lord bless every single one of you the lord keep you the lord lift up his face and the lord shine upon you the lord give you peace the lord bless the womb of birthing of prophetic promise and fulfillment in you the lord take away quarrelsomeness contention strife and fighting from your house the lord remove that the lord will give you an environment of peace in which seed can germinate and come to full fruition, blossoming productivity, and growth in God. I bless you on God's behalf today. I proclaim over you and your family, this is the year of the favorable, uh, in kind intentions of God upon your life. It is the year of God's favor. It's an authoritative summoning of how blessed you will be, how favored you will be. Because you become a son whose only ambition is to fulfill the will of his Father in the earth. In the earth. Your sphere enlarges. Your metron increases. Everything you need for life and godliness, the Lord will bless you. So I bless you once again. On behalf of your heavenly Father. I bless every single one of you. In the name of of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.